God is blank. We're in the third week of a series where we're looking at the fact that God is whatever you need him to be when you need him to be that. He told Moses, he said, I am that I am. I am whatever you need when you need it. If you go throughout the Bible, you'll see that there's times he is God the Father. He is God the provider. He is God the healer. He is God the risen. I'm going to repeat that because you seem a little quiet today. I said he is God the risen. And, And let me tell you a funny little story. Next Sunday, he will still be God the risen. Last Sunday, he was still God the risen. Somebody said, I don't feel like you really make a big deal out of Easter. We don't put all the videos out and we don't sponsor. We don't try to do everything to get people in because here's the reality. 365 days a year, 52 weeks out of the year, 24-7. God's kind of like the Waffle House. He's always risen. He has conquered death. He is alive. I don't need a holiday to remind myself that God is risen. We serve a God today who was alive. He died for the sins of the world. He conquered death. On the third day, he rose from the grave. And not only is God risen, God is alive. We have looked at the different aspects of God. We're going to continue that next week. But I want to focus in today on this statement. God, and I think for me personally, it's the biggest attribute of God. It's what makes God, God. But it's also what we as Christ followers tend to forget sometimes. We definitely don't live our lives Like this characteristic. And I want to talk to you today on this subject. God is love. God is love. If you really think about it at its core, Easter is the greatest love story ever told. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story first and foremost of the love of God for every single human there ever has been. Regardless of race, regardless of social standing, regardless of denominational ties, regardless of nationality. I know this is hard, especially in the church today, but regardless of political affiliation, Regardless of sexual preference, God's love. It is who he is. And Easter is a love story because it's the story of God's love for us. And it's a love that is unlike any love we've ever experienced. It's a love so beautiful, so stunning. It's a love that is so expansive that our minds can't actually comprehend it. 
We, we act like we comprehend it. We think we comprehend it. But our minds in the natural state cannot fathom the love of God. We can't understand that type of love. Many of us have experienced love stories throughout our lives. We've experienced what we would consider to be great loves. But even in that, our minds can't comprehend the love of Christ. Many of us have experienced horrible loves. I'm going to repeat that one. Many of us have experienced horrible loves. Ladies, it's Easter. Don't be pointing at him right now. And because of that, we're jaded by the concept of love. But the love story of God is unlike any story we've ever experienced. It's a love for everybody everywhere. Today, all over our country, preachers are going to get up and they're going to take you to the tomb of Christ. And they're going to take you to Mary and Martha walking up on the tomb and say, an angel looking at them and saying it's empty. And they're going to talk about the fact that Christ is risen and make no mistake about it today, baby. That is the Easter story. But really the Easter story goes way back before that. The Easter story goes back to the most famous verse in all the Bible. And if you want to sum up the why behind the empty tomb. The why behind the crucifixion. The why behind the resurrection. You have to go to John 3.16 and the Bible says, For God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't care if you've never been to church in your life, chances are you've heard that verse. You've seen somebody with a bed sheet at a football game holding up that verse. You've seen it written under Tim Tebow's eyes as you were rooting against Florida and praying that they get killed by Georgia, though it never happened. For God so loved the world. That is the Easter story. For God so loved that is why Jesus came. That is his message. That is why he was mocked. That is why he was beaten. That is why he was spit upon. That is why he was hung on a cross. That's why he never retaliated once through anger or hatred. I mean, it's about this, for God so loved the world. I mean, not only did he not retaliate, his final words were words of love. Look what the Bible says he's hanging on the cross. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Luke 23, 43, Jesus said, Truly I tell you today that you'll be with me in paradise. He's, he's hanging on the cross next to a thief. He looks at that thief and says, Don't worry, I got you. In the midst of my pain, in the midst of my anguish, I, I love you. And you'll spend eternity with me in paradise this day. John 19, 30 said, When he had received the drink, he said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head. And he gave up his spirit. I mean, the last words of Christ were words of love. One of the honors of my life as a pastor, it's a weird honor, but unless you've been in that situation, you don't understand what an honor is. I've been with numerous people as they've taken their last breaths. And the last words of somebody are powerful words. I, I, I have been in the room as people have died 
who had no relationship with God and there was no peace. I had been in the room with people as they passed away who loved God and knew where they were going and I can't explain it though they weren't ready to go. There was a peace that came from their words. As Christ hung on the cross, he said, I've got you. As Christ hung on the cross, he, he was so full of love. He looked at those who mocked him. Anybody been mocked? Anybody been criticized? He looked at those people and said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me give you the Gary Lamb version of that. Father, forgive them. They're idiots. They don't know better. They're morons. Just forgive them. Someone asked me, they said, man, are you mad at so-and-so? I said, he's just an idiot. I'm not mad. Like, how can you be mad at someone who's not mentally capable of thinking another way? Man. Even in death, Jesus was love. And Easter is the greatest love story ever. The Bible says in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There literally is no greater love than to give your life sacrificially so someone else can live. Yet this is what Christ did. The greatest verse in all the Bible, the most loved and the most known verse in all the Bible, only 25 words in that verse. Yet no other Verse in all of the Bible has been blessed, I think, like that verse. I, I don't know what it is about that verse. And are we able to put that verse back up? I know it's not on my notes. to John 3, thank you, buddy. Literally, the most famous verse. There's probably no verse that has led to more salvations of people than this verse. Martin Luther called John 3, 16, the miniature gospel. It's been called the gospel. He said, what's the gospel, Gary? The gospel simply means the good news. It's been called the gospel in a nutshell. I've heard it said this week, and I love this. I wrote this, and it's been called a love letter from God, written in blood, and addressed to all. I believe if you went to Satan, he said, Satan, you can take one verse out of the Bible. What verse would you take out of the Bible? It would be John 3.16. Because this single verse, you get the entire message of Christianity in. It doesn't need anything added to it. It's that powerful a verse. If there's a verse that ever makes hell tremble, it's this verse. For God so loved. There was ever a verse that lighted the path for multitudes of people, it would be John 3.16. This verse, it's a love story. And here's the great thing. A love story involves two people, and it involves us. God so loved us. God so loved me. And God so loved you. That he gave his one and only son. <laughs> but the church has forgotten this verse. You know what I find amazing about this verse? Is there's no judgment in this verse. 
There's no fear in this verse. There's no anger in this verse. There's no religion in this verse. There's no rules in this verse. Yet the church has forgotten this verse and we've implemented all the other things. We've implemented the rules. If you love, you got to do this. You got to look like this and act like this. The church has moved to scare tactics. Well, we think instead of just talking about the love of God, let's just hang them over the fire of hell. Let's threaten them that they'll fry like bacon. I can't do it today. My voice is shot. Can't do it. I mean, I love when preachers do it. You know what I mean? I mean, they're sweating and they're slobbering. Instead of just saying, man, here's a love story. They're like, you're going to fry like bacon. And i like, you can feel it. You start sweating. See, somehow along the way, we have. Oh, man, I just had this thought. I see people do this in their marriage. Instead of reminding their spouse and showing their spouse the love they have for that person, they use scare tactics in the marriage. Your kids are going to hate you if you do this. If you want to implode our lives, you do that. Man, no wonder the church does the same thing. It's what the world does. Instead of the power of love, we've moved to the power of fright and fear. And the church thinks they can dangle people over, and if you love this type of person and you act this type of way and you do this type of thing, God couldn't love you. The Bible says God so loved the world. The most famous verse in the Bible. We've replaced it with the morality code. I've got a buddy of mine, man, I want to be real vague in how I share this story. I was talking to him yesterday. He works for a ministry. I ran into him at a festival I was putting on. I said, man, how's it going? I shook his hand. I went to high school with the kid. And he's doing awesome things. He said, well, I just gave my notice. I said, you just gave your note. I mean, and he works for a big ministry, and he's doing big things. And I said, why? He said, well, and he pointed across the street, and in downtown Carsville, there's this new brewery that just opened. He said, I wanted to do a midweek thing called Hymns and Beer, where we gathered together, and we worked, sung some old hymns and drank some beer and had a short lesson. And the ministry I work at said I couldn't do that because I was associated with them. Their own morality code. You can't go to the... God forbid you go to the brewery and talk about Jesus. <laughs> Though I think that's where Jesus would be. Their own morality code of what he can and can't do. Instead of just saying, man, God's love. 
See, here's the amazing thing about love. Love has no rules. Love is patient. Love is kind. First Corinthians, I should have broke all those out. It's long-suffering. There's no rules to love. You ever looked at a couple and be like, man, I don't understand how they stay together. I couldn't do it. You know why you couldn't do it? Because you don't love that person. Guess what they're looking at you saying? I couldn't do it. Because they don't love. Love's powerful. Love overlooks faults. Love fights through the complications. Love makes things worse, even when maybe it doesn't make sense. The most famous verse. And all I can see is a love story. God is love. I see a God who loved us so much that he gave his son to pay the penalty for our sins. Sin's not a popular thing to talk about in the church anymore, but guess what? You're a sinner. Hey, guess what? I didn't mean to use the word you. We're sinners. Matter of fact, I am probably the chief among you. You paid the penalty for our sin, our screw-ups, and all we have to do is believe that he paid the price. The church comes along and says, quit doing this and quit doing that, and God says, no, 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 no. Just realize I love you. Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard for us to be loved? We don't, we don't think we deserve the love. We're unworthy of the love. Easter's a love story. And so many of you, and I meant to use the word you, are missing out on God's love because you've added some kind of weird, funky code to it. Easter's always funny to me to watch my Facebook thread of people who don't go to church anywhere, but yet they get real dogmatic on Easter on where they're going to go to church. They go to the church that they think does it right. Let me give you a newsflash. None of them do it right, include Action Church. I think God probably vomits when he sees what we've turned the local church into. This don't look like Acts. Trust me. I go to this church. You don't go anywhere. I had a guy tell me yesterday. Thought about coming to your church. I said, well, come on. I don't, I don't do rock and roll church. I looked at him and said, I said, you don't do church, period. What do you mean? I said, when was the last time you went to church? I mean, it's been a few years. Right. So don't tell me you don't do rock and roll church. You don't do church. Like, why is it hard for people just to be honest? Cool, you don't do church. No issue, bro. But don't say you don't do action church because of the way we do church. You don't do church, period. If you thought traditional hymn singing church was the way to do church, you'd be there on Sunday. Probably you find that boring. Man, I'm getting sidetracked because we ain't talking about the church today. We're talking about God is love. Then you got to know the secret handshake. No, you just got to know God loves you. I'll never forget when I was, one day I was reading this a few years ago. I was reading the biography of Mother Teresa. It's an amazing biography. She lived an amazing life. It was probably one of seven times in my life I've been to a coffee shop. I just don't drink coffee. I don't really fit into the coffee shop. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. I don't wear skinny jeans or have dark room glasses. I don't really do fit in coffee shops. But I wanted to get out, so I went to a coffee shop, and I'm reading a book about Mother Teresa, and I saw a pastor walk in. 
said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, what's going on? He said, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading this book. He said, man, she was an amazing woman. I said, man, she was an amazing woman. You're right. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, too bad she's probably in hell right now. And I thought to myself, that's odd. Mother Teresa's in hell? I'm not saying she's not in hell, so let me make that. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not in either place. I don't know where she's at. But I was like, that's a very dogmatic statement. Do we have confirmation this is where she is? Somebody knows this for a fact? See, the church has got this weird mindset that we've adopted over the years. We have this mindset that billions and billions of all the billions and billions of people who've ever lived, only a select number make it into heaven. Then every other person suffers in torment and punishment. My problem with that is, is always what the church then decides is the defining factor on who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell. Question becomes based on the church, does God punish people for thousands of years with eternal punishment for the things they did just a few years here on earth? And if he does, who makes the cut? If you DM somebody that you're not married to, does that cut you off or do you actually got to go meet them? Or do you actually got to meet them and have sex? I'm just curious where the line is. Like if I steal a candy bar, am I disqualified? Or if I rob the bank at gunpoint, does that disqualify me? See, the problem is when we add works to salvation, no one can tell me what the works are. What weighs the balance? Like if I tell three lies a day, does that disqualify me? I'm good, but if I tell two? See, the problem is when you say you got to be good to get to heaven is nobody can tell me how good is good enough. Just be a good person. Well, your definition of good and my definition of good are probably very different. I mean, is that not correct? I always get funny when people ask me. We had a political party yesterday that were in the booth and they were serving my festival. They said, you consider yourself conservative or liberal? I said, well, it depends on where you stand. Oh, you're one of those just want to be the opposite? I said, no, no, no. Not at all. I know where I stand. I said, but based on your beliefs, we'll determine whether or not I'm conservative or liberal. I don't know your beliefs. Based on your beliefs, I may be very, very liberal. Or based on your beliefs, I may be very, very conservative. See, it's a moving target. How good is good enough? It's really just about love. So my question, who makes the cut? Why did they make the cut? How does a person end up being just a few? Chance? Luck? Are you born into it? Now, here's the craziest thing to me about those who say only a certain number go to heaven. I've never met a person who says only a certain number go to heaven and then look at me and be like, and I ain't one of them. They're always the chosen. Only a certain number make it, I'm in. That seems like a very narrow love to me. Seems like a love based on works. I don't see a narrow love here. I just see it for God so loved the world that he gave. That whoever, whoever. You know what that word whoever means in the original language? Whoever. Look to the person to the right of you. Now tell them, you're a whoever. Turn to the person to the left and say, you're a whoever. We're like Dr. Seuss up in here, baby. We're all who's. Whoever. I mean, it's a powerful love. 
I want to look at some things about this love today. Because I'm worried that we've complicated Easter. I know we've complicated the church. I'm worried that we've complicated being a Christ follower. First thing I want to look at today is the source of this love. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved. To have the kind of love that we're talking about, it has to begin with God. We're not capable of it. Our love is based on so many things. Our love is biased. Our love is based on what do you do for me? Like it or not, even if our motives are right, a lot of times our love is based on our own selfishness. What can we get in return? I'm just being honest. You think David Westrick met Sierra, and the first time he met her was like, man, I'm going to love this woman so much, I'm just going to give her everything I'm going to love. No, he said, man, this woman is hot. What can she do for me? See, now he's going to make me say something. Who was that, Preston? David, am I allowed to say the first time you ever saw Sierra? Okay. The first time David, now Sierra's smoking. First time David ever saw Sierra was in a calendar. Said, I'm going to meet that woman. You got to be hot. To, well, you don't, well, if you're like Scott Farley and you're in that calendar, he's in, you know, or Uncle Randy, that ain't a hot calendar. I don't know what calendar it was. In my mind, it was like hot gingers of Georgia. I don't know that that's what it was. But David met her and said, man, I wonder what she can do for me. Because love is a selfish love. That's human love. That's good Easter preaching. I'll be selling those calendars later. I'm going to get a copy of it. Funds will be going to missions. Sometimes you get when you're preaching into a hole and you can't get out of it. And you're trying to get out of the hole and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. But the greatest love ever starts with for God. God is love, so true love must begin with Him. Everything starts with God. The Bible says in Genesis... Genesis 1 1, that's the beginning. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God. It all starts with God. I hate to burst your bubble. There was no cosmic explosion and it came. In the beginning was God, capital G. Everything starts with God, including love. There cannot be a here without there being a there. There cannot be a upper without a lower. There cannot be a before without an after. And there cannot be creation without a creator. In the beginning, God. So I don't know that there is a God. Well, guess what the Bible answers you to, Psalms 14.1. The Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. For God so loved, John 3.16 says. 
We have the word love, and, it's a, and I've used this phrase a thousand times, I understand that, but we don't understand. The English language is very limiting. It's not a descriptive language. So, for example, the word love. I love Christine. That's my wife. If I tell you that, that's a powerful love. But guess what else I love? Pizza. Same word. I hope for my safety it's a different type of love. Now, I've had some good pizza, though. But our language is limiting, so we use the same word for pizza that we do our spouse, but not here in the Bible. It doesn't work like that. The word love here in the original language, it means to be fond of, to love dearly, to love passionately. God was so fond of us. He loved us so dearly. Don't miss this. That we get the rest of the verse. These four words lead to the other 21 words. God was so fond of us. <laughs> this word love, it, 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 the meaning of it actually occurs 56 times just in the book of John. It's a book of love. But God didn't just love us, he so loved us. So the source of this love has to come from God. It means he loved us. That word so is huge. It means he loved us to the utmost. People tell me it's kind of like the love that a mother has for a child. No, 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 it's not. No offense to mothers and their children, but I've seen some horrible mothers. This is a perfect love. Because he's a perfect God. And the source of that love will never be something our minds can grasp. It's an indescribable love. So that's the source of love. But I want to look at the scope of the love. For God so loved the world. The world. 77 times this word world is found in the book of John. It's not talking about matter. It's not talking about the earth that we walk around on. It's referring to the people who live here. Listen to me today. John 3.16 is a love story to everybody. The greatest love ever. Many times the greatest love we have, even if we don't realize it's the love of ourself. It's a narrow love. But God loved the world. It would be impossible for us to love everybody if we tried. I'm going to tell you something that most pastors will never admit to. Some of you will never come back after this. Some of you will wonder if I'm talking about you, and if you're wondering that, then probably I am. In a room this size, as long as I've been here, 10 years now, there's just some people I don't love. I tolerate you. I fist bump you. I'm nice to you. But if you left tomorrow, you leave. You know why? Because I'm human. We like people and we don't like people. We couldn't love everyone if we tried. It's impossible. But God loved the world. Supernatural God. 
Someone rubs us the wrong way. Oh, and by the way, I'm under no delusions that everyone in this crowd loves me. That's okay. God loves everyone. Can I give you some earth-shattering news today? Do you know that God doesn't just love Americans? Can I, can I give you some more news? Do you know God? I know this is going to be hard for some of you. God wasn't an American. He loves Russians, Chinese, Ukraine, the Middle Easterners. Some of you bigoted friends of mine, do you know that God loves all these Guatemalans that you find a nuisance up and down this street? He loves the world. He doesn't just love white people. Hate to burst your bubble. Do you know God wasn't white? He was Jewish. No blonde hair, blue eyes. I know that's hard for some of you. Problem is, we see color and God sees the world. He doesn't just love what we would deem the civilized. That's good news for Action Church today. He loves the heathens, he loves the addicts, the misfits. The social outcast. He loves the island of misfit toys. Somebody say amen today. God doesn't just love the Baptist. I can't wait to get to heaven and see the look on the Baptist's face that they're not the only ones there. He doesn't just love straight people. Those with conservative views. He doesn't just love those that say they're Christians. He loves the atheists, the Muslims, the agnostics. God loves all colors, all individuals, all social groups. God loves saints as equal as he loves sinners. And oh, by the way, all them saints are sinners. Here's what I need you to understand today. God loves you. God loves me. Brenda Sweat was at Costco this week getting some barbecue stuff. Lady turned around to her. He said, oh, you having a barbecue this weekend? She said, no, we own a barbecue food truck. We're going to be at the Barbecue and Bruce Festival in Carver. Lady looked and said, oh, you're part of Gary Lamb's crew. <laughs> and Brenda didn't even defend me. She really was like, no, we just have a barbecue. No, I'm just kidding. Literally, the lady turned around and didn't say another word. She's lying. She didn't. She didn't. Guess what? God even loves Gary Lamb. God loves you. How many of you today say, Gary, right now I'm breathing? You're breathing. Wow, those of you that can't raise your hand, I am really worried. You're dead. (laughs) If you're breathing, God loves you. And if you're breathing, I got good news for you. You get the rest of the verse. For God so loved the world. 
that he gave the ultimate sacrifice. We didn't deserve it, and you don't ever deserve true love. Aren't you glad God doesn't give us what we deserve? <laughs> we don't get what we deserve. We get what a loving father gives. His love. So many people, so many people try to spend all their time getting love and attention, and God says, I love you. God could never love me. Shut up. Don't flatter yourself. Like it's a badge of honor. I'm so bad. Well, you're part of the world. God loves you. Because God is love. Easter's about love. Last, the selflessness of his love. And by the way, that's not last I lied. I got one more point after this. See, God loves lying preachers. The selflessness of, for God so loved the world that he gave. Anybody ever heard Johnny Hunt preach? Johnny Hunt has a phrase I used to laugh when he said it, but it's so true. He said, you're never more like Jesus than when you're giving. But he's right. God gave. His son. Think about that for a minute. I don't want to show of hands because it'll make me feel horrible. Because I think it would be like none. Including my wife, I hope. But if I asked you, man, someone had a gun to my head and someone said, give me your kid let me kill them instead of Gary. I don't think any of you would be like, okay, cool. You'd be like, love you, see you in heaven. And guess what? I do the same thing to you. He was a good man. I liked Kylie. Sure, I'm glad we took those vacations with him. Take him out. I'm keeping Luke. For God so loved that he gave. It was such a selfless love. To give something, don't miss this. To give something means you give it no strings attached. I always say parents are the biggest liars at Christmas. If you're good, you get a gift. That ain't a gift. That's called a wage. I did something, and you're rewarding me for doing it. A gift comes no strings attached. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. If you could earn it, that's called a reward, not a gift. A gift is someone who says, I got this for you. No, you don't owe me anything. No, I didn't give it to you because you were being good. I just got it for you. For God so loved the world that he gave. A gift says, I love you so much that I want to give this to you, even though you don't deserve it. It's a selflessness of the love. God loved us in all of our screw-ups, in all of our mess-ups, in all of our selfishness. He said, imperfect things can't get into a perfect place, heaven. So I'm going to send the perfect person to pay the penalty for their imperfection. How many of you have ever been in debt? Sucks. Think about debt here. Worst case scenario, we go bankrupt and get out of our debt. Cop-out society. 
And oh, by the way, I'm not judging you. Been there, done that 13 years ago. But we owed a debt we could never pay. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. A debt called sin that separates us from God. But God loved us so much that he sent us. Someone said, you believe that? Oh, I'm smoking what I'm selling. I'm smoking what I'm selling. I believe it with everything that is in me. Don't get past the grocery store building and the casual dress and the rock and roll band and the t-shirts. I'm smoking what I'm selling. I believe Jesus Christ died for our sins because God gave his son to do it. That's Easter. It's love. How do you do that and not love somebody? Now, last of all, we're going to go home. The sacrifice of this love. This is just a reminder message today. Because sometimes we forget how good God is. We forget that God loved us. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The true value of love is what love is willing to give to the objects it loves. See, God's love is not a static love. It's not a self-centered love. It was a love that involved action. Tell me you love me all day long. But words mean nothing. Show me you love me. Love is an action verb. Is that correct? English teachers? Yeah, okay. Takes action. You have to do something. It's not something you just say. It's not static. Love is demonstrated. Sacrifice them. He gave his son for us. Jesus and I already said, but Jesus knew because of our screw-ups, because of our sin, that we couldn't enter heaven until someone paid that debt. See, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Now, here's the deal. A person who sins is a sinner. Guess what? We've all sinned. But you know the Bible says there's a payment due for our sin called death. That's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death in a place called hell. The payment for our sin is hell. So God sent his son. He was fully human as you and I were. He dealt with the same temptations. Guess what? At the last minute before he hung on the cross, before they came and arrested him, the Bible says he was praying so hard for God. If there was any other way God let this, but the Bible said he was sweating blood, the anxiety of what he knew was going to happen. He felt the same emotions we would feel. He was fully human, yet he responded with love. You know why? Because God's love. Easter's love. Good Friday is about love. The crucifixion is about love. This, this, you, hmm. Someone in the barclay said, I've been trying to read my Bible, where do I start? 
start with this understanding. This entire book is love. It's about the creator of the universe loving us so much he wants to have a relationship with us. Adam and Eve screw it up. He doesn't walk away. He creates another way to have a relationship with us. It's about a love that doesn't give up. It's about a God who pursues us. Because he loves us. When you've given up on yourself, God still loves you. Man, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift. Remember, we already talked about a gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Payment for our sin, but God loved us so much that he sent his son. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, I need you. I understand I'm a sinner. Without your love, I'm separated from you. You sent your son down. It's that simple. I'm not going to lead you in some prayer. It's that simple. We complicate it. Someone asked me, they said, do you believe in easy prayerism? I said, I don't know what easy prayerism is. Just say a prayer and you're saved. I said, no, 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 I don't believe that. I said, I believe in easy believism. Huh? What's that? I said, I believe you just got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he paid the price for our sins, that he conquered death where we could have eternal life. It's of no merit of our own. We can't work our way. We can't buy our way. We can't go to church to get our way there. It's through Christ and not us. Easy believism. God is love. Easter is love. Let's pray.